Blog Talk Radio. Ground control to major talk. Commencing countdown into zone. Check ignition and make God love be with you. Okay, that was an abrupt cut off. Welcome, good evening. That was a little bit of new intro music that we were playing with, courtesy of cartoonist Bosch Faustin, who's sitting here with me. You are listening to Don't Let It Go Unheard, and this is the April 24th show, 2015. Time is flying. So welcome and good evening, everyone. If you went over to the blog already, or if you're sitting here live on Blog Talk Radio, you see that our title for today is Government Monopolies and Monopolies on Hurt Feelings. And, you know, we are really remiss because we're not talking about the most important story that we should be talking about. You know what that is, right? Um, Bryce Jenner. (laughs) <laughs> That's right. Or Bruce Jennifer. I, yeah, I don't know what the name is supposed to be, but that is what everyone is. And actually, there in some time zone somewhere, people are watching that interview instead of listening to us. The Saudi king, probably. It could be. Yeah. 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 So welcome. Um, now he's going to join Islam next. He's going to turn to woman and then join Islam. Like, that would be the, the that would and, be the worst. Yeah. Although, aren't they in Iran now? I heard that instead of killing homosexuals, they're giving them the option of having one of the two partners get a government-funded sex change. Are you joking? No, I'm not joking. And the sex change, does it involve a machete? Seriously. (laughs) I mean, I want to know who's going to give you the sex change operation in Iran. They have a machete there, and if if the person survives, okay. (sighs) You know, I have not been watching this story very much. I mean, I know I have friends that are interested. I, and I mean, you know, what makes it interesting, it's because we've all known of yeah, Bruce Jenner most Olympian. of our lives. So then you see somebody who you knew in one context. He was heroic. Uh, you know, change genders. Yeah, but mostly this is, you know, a topic that I try not to uh, he's spend a, too much he's time in on. He's in his 60s, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... He could have done it earlier, you would think. He said he always had the soul of a woman. Whatever that means. Yeah, what is the soul of a woman? I don't know. Did he have the desires of a woman? Is that a sexist comment? Was he gay? I mean, when he was younger, and he didn't admit it till now, in his 60s, and now he wants to be a woman. I don't know. I don't know either. The other thing that's been going around on social media is the question whether transgender is something that should be discussed with young kids in schools. Why? And some people are saying, oh, well, just like, you know, homosexuality, you should go ahead and be talking about this. And I would feel much more comfortable just speaking about homosexuality to kids. Of course, you don't even want to talk about sexuality to kids at all. So why be, right? And then there's There's the one story where parents helped a five-year-old Change sexes? Five-year-old. That. That's sick. That doesn't make sense. A, a five-year-old? Uh, I don't think a five-year-old even knows what a five-year-old wants. What? It no. doesn't understand what he wants for lunch, breakfast. 
what clothes to wear. Well, yeah, but I don't know. There's, there's this push to try to... I mean, we don't even let kids get tattoos. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. But get a sex change, right? Right. right. Also, I mean, no, there's a desire here to really try to make everything acceptable and celebrate everything and normalize everything. And uh, I mean, I, you know, I am. It's, a, it's a real aggressive. I am not a social conservative per se, but for example, here's something else that I was surprised to learn this week. In the state of California, courts have held that kids have a constitutional right to purchase contraception. That somehow if you had a ban on selling contraception to kids under 16, that that violated their rights in some way. That violated their rights. Whereas you can have bans on selling cigarettes to kids under 18. You can have bans on selling alcohol. But no, somehow you've got to make sex like freely available and put it in the face of young kids. And it's not for freedom. It's not for freedom. It's uh, from... Neolithic leftists who want to just bring it all down, man. It really is. It's not about freedom. It's like it's like when the left supports gay marriage. It's not for rights. It's not for gay rights. No. It's for power. It's it's, it's for votes. I mean, that's what's about. Because the same people who push for that push Obamacare, and that's about rights. You know, everyone will be under that kind of uh, uh, hammer: homosexuals, heterosexuals, black, white. Right. All, young, old. So it's not about rights. It's about really, from their perspective, you know, bringing down the culture from what it was to what it never was and trying to push it that way. And I, I just, this push to try to put it in our face. And also, you know, if you don't celebrate these things, you're considered a bigot. It's not even a point that you may oppose it. Or you may not be crazy about it, let's say, but you're a bigot if you don't celebrate it. That's where we are. It's by omission, which is something we might talk about. Oh, yeah, later. no, this is this is definitely we can talk about that on the uh, section on hurt feelings. Again, go to the blog at don'tletitgo.com to see all the stories, et cetera, that we plan to discuss. And if you would like to call in and talk about any of them, the phone number is 760-888-5817. Again, that's 760-888-5817. There is actually one story that we should mentioned today, although I don't have anything in particular to say about it, but apparently it's not being acknowledged by our president, Mm. but it is being acknowledged by decent people everywhere, which is the 100th anniversary of the Armenian genocide by the Turkish Muslims. Yes, Turkish Muslims killed 1.5 million, um, I think, well, Christian Armenians. It was a genocide. It included and, uh, children. Supposedly Hitler used that as an example of, does anyone remember the Armenians? Yeah, you know, basically Armenian. he knew he could get away yeah, with it because with everyone it. shoved and, this under the rug. And, what and now and today, our president is complicit. Barack Obama said 2008, of course, before he became president, it's not an opinion, it's not. The, it's a fact. It was a genocide. And as president, I will call it that. It's been seven years he has never called it a genocide. You know, it is this sort of thing that makes you a conspiracy theorist, because somebody says one thing and then they become president, and some what they become privy to something. It, you know, there was an interesting point. Um, I was following a little bit of what Greta Van Susteren was tweeting out there this evening, and she was basically talking about the train wreck that is Bruce Jenner and 
how she doesn't like to see anybody self-destruct, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, she she didn't say explicitly it was about him, but that's what I assume. Who's that? Uh, Greta. Oh, okay. And then she um, was tweeting uh, about, you know, politicians, and she wants them to work together. And I tweeted back and said, no, not always. Um, but then she said, do you actually think Hillary Clinton wants to run for president? And it raised in my mind an interesting possibility that she really doesn't want to run for president, but the reason that she's doing it is because the Saudis are putting her up to it in some way. Hmm. Think about that. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, th- th- that, that's, that is my conspiracy theory nugget for this evening. But I, I you know, I don't really think Stuart that's necessary. Stuart mentioned something in the, in the chat room about a convention, uh, Calgary Comic Expo, on the chat. Oh. Uh, I don't know. I guess I'll check it out. Cool stuff. What is it? A comic Expo? Yeah. Um, so what is it? I don't know. I just say, he says, uh, Stuart writes Bosch on a matter of political correctness. Did you hear what happened? Uh, at the at Calgary, Calgary Comic, comic Expo, Expo there was a cartoonist, Allison Tiemann, said to a feminist panel Calmly that she... said to a feminist panel. Oh, that she dislikes how feminism casts women as nice. victims. Hmm. <gasps> She's, She's been, been banned, banned from Are the... Are you co- kidding oh, me? no way. See, this is this is the point. So you I say something calmly, you it, express an opinion, and then suddenly this. you're banned. It's not even this. If you do not celebrate, quote unquote, diversity, whatever that may mean, you are a bigot, and you are non, you know, you you're you're a non-person at that point. If you don't celebrate it, that's that is what's required now. Right. And uh, if you say nothing about it, then you're a bigot, good or bad. What's your opinion about this? And if you don't answer the right way, or if you don't answer at all, well, then we know where you stand, mm-hmm. and therefore you're not a human being. Disgusting. This is not good. I hope uh, this Allison uh, Timon mm-hmm. uh, understands what what's going on, because I mean, it, to, to an extent, she did just by just by doing that. But hopefully, she can uh, maybe make a graphic novel about this or something. Something. Disgusting. Yeah, definitely try to, make, try, try to make some lemonade out of that. Come to the United States, where for a while at least we'll still have free speech. Yeah. 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 So, again, go over to the blog at don'tletitgo.com. I have as the first link the reason that we did not have a show on Tuesday this week, and that is the book David Latt's Supreme Ambitions. The book is called Supreme novel. Ambitions, the novel. Uh, I actually directed you straight to the website, but if you actually want to buy the book, um, and you want to take the time to buy it through my handy Amazon link, I won't mind at all. You know, Remember, you can buy whatever you normally buy at Amazon. You're not going to pay any more for it, but a small percentage goes to this show if you use the Amazon link over at my blog at don'tletitgo.com. It's there on the right-hand side. But um, David Latt came to the law school where I'm teaching on Tuesday, and I was asked to give a little introduction of his book and everything, and it was just a few minutes and stuff, but Lat is the managing editor of the very well-known blog called Above the Law, which I understand has over a million hits a month, or a million visitors a month, I think unique visitors, a lot of traffic over there, so he's very successful with that blog, and he was a very gracious uh, recipient of my little speech about his book where I talked about 
all the ideas that were dramatized within the course of this roughly 300-page novel, which I enjoyed. And, you know, if you guys are interested in this, just let me know. Maybe leave a comment over at my blog uh, whether you'd be interested in me trying to get him on for an interview. He's now uh, followed me on Twitter. He's a lot of fun. I really enjoyed the book. Uh, I gather he is a fan of Rand to some extent because I found a blog post from that Supreme Ambitions blog from fall of 2012. And somebody comes in and says, oh, aren't you really trying to put ideas in your book too much? It's uh, it's kind of like Ayn Rand, or you don't want to do that. And he said, oh, I actually take the comparison favorably and went on to talk about how he aspires to convey ideas through his fiction, which he is doing right out the gate with this first book. So let me know if you're interested in me bring him on. He is an excellent speaker, an entertaining speaker as well. Very fun. Is there a video of your introduction and the following and his I don't know if there is a video. That would be good if there uh, was. I, watch, yeah. I had a really nice, I mean, I was a bit intimidated to tell you the truth about it. And it was a, a Harvard Law School alumni group. I am a graduate of UCLA. So, you know, I'm small, small potatoes compared <laughs> to those Ivy League graduates. But Apparently, I held my own. I got an A-plus for issue spotting from David Latt himself. He said I didn't, as far as he knew, you know, miss a single issue, so that was excellent. So check all that out. See if you're interested. If you do read the book and you are not a lawyer, let me know whether you also like it or if it's something that only us lawyers can really enjoy. What it does is it dramatizes the life of an appellate court clerk who aspires to be a Supreme Court clerk working for the Supreme Court. So it gives you an inside view of that world. Lat himself was a an appellate court clerk, and I was an appellate court extern for a little while, so I had some sense of what the world was like as well. So I really, really enjoyed it. Then the next link that you see over there is the first thing that we're going to talk about today, and it has to do with the issue of government monopolies and the cost of those. There is a company now called Vivint Solar, and I hadn't heard of it before about the past week or so. And what they have been doing is going door to door, and I think in different states, but they're going around in Southern California, and they go door to door, and they try to talk the owners into letting the company put solar panels on the roof, no money out of the owner's pocket in advance. And then the deal is what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to buy your electricity that is produced off of these solar panels from the company. And the deal that they make to you is all the you know, all all that you need or all that it produces up through what you need, that you can buy it at the so-called tier one price that the power company would be charging you. You know how they do, right? You use a small amount of electricity and they charge you at tier one rates, whatever it is. And then once you start using too much in their opinion, they kick you up to tier two. And then if you're a real greedy bastard, they kick you up to tier three and they make you pay exorbitant rate, right? So this company, and you know, again, this is a company, you assume they're in business, you assume they're making money. They are putting solar panels on your roof 
you're buying the power from them that they're producing through those solar panels on your roof. You're not paying anything else except for electricity that you use at this reduced rate. It was unclear to me whether they actually are going to provide you all the electricity that you need or whether there is actually a cutoff. Uh, the power company is not going to let them provide all of the electricity. You still have to buy something from the power company. Uh, so that would make it even worse. But think about this, right? And, I, I, and it took me several days after hearing about this business, this new business model, before I could realize this. If, if you know Debbie, who often calls in the show, solar power is incredibly inefficient. It is actually not an economically viable thing per Debbie, right? So imagine that a company is making money by going out and putting solar panels on people's roofs and then selling the electricity that is produced in these individually located clusters of solar panels to the homeowner, right? They're selling it to them. And they're selling it at a rate lower than the utility companies charge for that amount of electricity. And they're making a profit. What does that tell you? To me, that tells me that the power company, power company that has a government-imposed monopoly, is charging us way too much, yeah. right? Because if you can get it cheaper via solar... What what in the world are they doing with your money? What's the power company doing with your money? I think it is ridiculous. There's got to be a whole lot more political power company upkeep and bureaucracy involved if the panels are on your little individual house. I can't see that somehow the maintenance is less, et cetera, et cetera. Um, anyway, I'm going to see. I think this actually might be Debbie. Is this Debbie? Hi, Amy. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, so what do you think of this? This is when I was thinking about this at first I was thinking, wow, a a company can make money doing this? And I was like, well, maybe that's kind of cool. And then I was thinking, no, actually that is really bad because our power company must be insanely overcharging us for electricity. Am I right? Uh yeah, you're definitely right. There's a whole racket to this. And so for one thing, yeah, the power companies are overcharging us, especially in California. There's all kinds of mandates that some percentage of our power has to come from solar energy anyway, which makes it inordinately and unnecessarily expensive. But also, if you put solar panels on your roof as a homeowner, you get a massive tax rebate. But if the company does it, then they get the tax rebate. So what they're doing is the way they're able to make a quote-unquote profit, I'm guessing. I mean, I haven't looked at the numbers for this particular company, but if they're the ones who own the solar panels, then they're the ones who get the tax rebate. So they put the panels on these people's roofs. They get themselves, they get to pocket a big wad of cash, and then the the homeowner pays whatever rate, and this company makes a quote-unquote profit because they're supplying energy at an inflated price, but they get this big tax rebate. And then who knows what's going to happen in like 10 or 20 years when the panels get less efficient or quit working. I mean, they've already pocketed the cash up front, so they don't even need to exist anymore at that point. The homeowner wouldn't have much recourse, I don't think. Right. They have no incentive to maintain it at an efficient level of production, et cetera, et cetera. So it's totally ridiculous. Um, I mean, you know, I went and actually looked at this company and the reviews, 
And some of the reviews are just scandalous. People sign these deals and then I guess they assume that they're locked in regardless of the fact that the company fails to meet promised installment, you know, deadlines and all this stuff. But that must be that must be it, Debbie, that you sign over to the company the tax rebate that you would have gotten had you actually paid for the panels out of pocket. That's probably it, right? Right. Yeah, that that's going on. I, I even hear ads for solar companies where like they're advertising that if you buy the panels yourself, then you get the tax credit, and and it doesn't go to some other company. That's because of these rackets are kind of common, and this whole solar energy and renewable energy business, it's just a magnet for con artists who are looking to make some short-term money. Wow, it's very interesting. It's very interesting, but yeah, these guys. They're going door to door, and I feel like now, you know, I'm kind of putting a public service announcement out there, don't do it. I mean, they make it sound super attractive, but then when you actually think about what's going on, and then it just, like I said, it gets you even more mad at your power company because you figure, you know, they should not be able to make money doing this. And even if they get the tax rebate, and yeah, they're able to buy solar panels cheaper than you are because... They buy them in bulk and, you know, they buy them at wholesale and all that stuff. But still, I mean, they should not be able to make money this way. This is this is nuts. No, it corrupts the, the concept of profit. Profit is an honorable thing, and it means you've produced, well, profit in a proper context means you've produced more than you consumed in order to produce that thing and that there's a net value that exists at the end. And that what they're, what these guys are making is not profit. It's a rake-off. Wow. This is really ridiculous. And this is made possible because of all the government uh, rules and then also the government imposing the monopolies on us for the production of power. If I mean, suppose there wasn't any government monopoly and suppose we could produce our power however we wanted. How do you think that people would get their electricity in a free market? Well, you know, I think that there would still be a place... Well, it's hard to say, you know, because innovation is a very complex thing and it happens in a very complex environment with people having ideas and there's you never know who's going to get an idea from what and, and it's just it's totally non-deterministic. But I would think that nuclear, it's got such a high power density that it's hard for me to imagine that in a free market we wouldn't have a lot more of our energy coming from nuclear. Right. Um, but, you know, of course, there's still the use of fossil fuels. And um, I am fairly confident that solar panels would not be used on much other than satellites or, like, some kind of remote, remote off-the-grid uh, some Something that but couldn't be then, refueled. Something that couldn't be refueled easily. That's why you would need it. But then in that case, you got stuff like the Cassini satellite, which has been out in space for something like 20 years now, and it's being powered by a nuclear reactor the size of a soda can all this time. So Wow. So we could all have a little nuclear reactor the size of a soda can at our house? Well, uh, it's not that hard to imagine. But, you know, like I said, innovation is impossible to predict, but I could totally yeah. imagine something like that existing. No, I mean, you know, and one thing, when when you think of solar, 
the only thing that would make a solar system attractive to somebody would be if your house could then be self-contained, right? That you could actually be off the grid, but they don't let you mm-hmm. be off the grid. They don't permit you to be no. off the grid. You still have to be connected. So, I mean, any kind of idea of self-sufficiency. Now, I guess it might be still the case that if there's a general blackout, you would do better because you would have some. But there's no storage. I don't think they allow you to store it at all. So I, it's I think it's just about allowing. It's like it's not. There's no technology to make it efficient and feasible to store it. Right. We had talked about that on a on a prior show as well. You know, John over here in the chat room is saying that he once researched solar. Now, I don't know how long ago he did it, but he says conservatively it would take $200,000 to convert his house to solar at the rate that he uses electricity. I don't know what the non-rebate cost is, but I'm gathering it's about 20000 average for a house in California to get a decent-sized solar setup. Maybe that's not a fully, you know, powered thing, though. You know, maybe sometimes in the summer and stuff you would still need more power from, you know, the power company. But it's, That's right. It's, it's just a supplement. It's just a tiny percentage. If you wanted to actually fully power, like, the current average rate of power consumption of, a, of an average American, you would need to put a lot more panels on than most people have. Okay. Okay, so people are just doing a little drop in the bucket, basically. And so then what happens, you know, because people are going to see through this Vivint company. Word's going to get around, and I'm hoping that I'm helping Word get around, you know, about this as a, as a racket. But, you know, all of these rackets, people are going to realize it's not economically feasible. They're not going to do it. And what the government is mandating, that a certain percentage of our power must be produced by solar. So... The power companies are going to then have to buy solar. Is that the idea? I don't know. I don't know if they really have a long-term game plan. I mean, one hears about a solar installation that they try and put up in the desert in California, and the environmentalists fight it because it's going to invade on the desert tortoise tortoise's habitat. So they don't even oh really gosh. want solar panel. They don't want anything. They just want to stop progress. They just want to stop us from doing anything. You know what would be a useful graphic to put together would be the size of a nuclear power plant, you know, that could provide a certain amount of energy. And then the equivalent square footage of solar panels Mm -hmm. that would be required to produce that amount. And to basically show people what the footprint and environmental impact of either of those things would be, and then people would maybe get a clue, you know? Um, Yeah, you could express it in terms of the number of desert tortoises that would be displaced. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Wouldn't that be awesome? (laughs) And the desert tortoises, I'm sure they're cute. It would make a very cute graphic. (laughs) Yeah, there'd be a lot of desert tortoises voting for nuclear. (laughs) So did you take that note, Bosch? We we want a graphic. Of course, we'd have to find out the information. I almost never come through with these uh, cartoons. No, no, we, you know, we forget I think about it. it. Yeah, it's, it's Friday night, it's late, yeah, you know. Or, but or, it's a good one. <laughs> How many people approach you with cartoon requests all the time anyway, though? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just busy trying to, you know, get the info three out, so. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, one consequence of government 
you know, monopoly, government-imposed monopoly over a utility is this garbage. You know, the the most obvious government-imposed monopoly these days is Obamacare, but it's really not quite at the level of a government-imposed monopoly yet. It's just regulations pushing in the direction of further and further consolidation. Some crazy stuff, some crazy stuff. But the other horrible thing that's going on in California, of course, is water. And really odd story. Again, our government has total control over the water supply. And they are diverting water in order to save some fish as opposed to actually provide water, you know, for agricultural or personal use. And then there's this other wonderful story, and this is broken by San Francisco CBS. Headline is Drought Hypocrisy, San Francisco Using Drinking Water to to Heat City Hall and Other Buildings. So I guess they have one of those heating systems. What do they call those... Um, I forget the type of heating system that it is where it runs. They actually run hot water through pipes in order to heat. Um, it's, is, is it ambient heat? I don't think it's called ambient heat. Anyway, I used to know the name of this when I lived in Colorado, and such things were very, very awesome and wonderful because I think what they do, that, that kind of heat system, it actually makes it... Um, why did I just hit the so video the thing, play? You yeah. save water uh, and we won't. Yeah, you save water... You should not. You don't shower. Yeah. You know, or take very short showers, and uh, we're gonna use it all up. Says the people who want us to use less water are part of a system that could be among the biggest water wasters in San Francisco. That system is in hot water because of hot water. Ha ha. That's the writer. Um, <laughs> after the water is heated up, the condensed water is then discharged into the sewer system. Said the. San Francisco Public Utilities Commission. They say it's drinking water that's being used for the steam loop. Um, Water, they say, is heated to make the steam to heat City Hall and 170 other nearby buildings. City Hall reuses most of its portion. A quarter million gallons a day goes wasted. Good drinking water ends up in the sewer. It's a system that is more than 80 years old. And they say, well, it doesn't rely on fossil fuels or natural gas to heat the building. So in a sense, that's good, they say. Now, how do you heat the water, though? That's what I don't understand. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Where's that energy come from to boil the water? Exactly. It's got to be fossil fuels to heat the water. Right? You're not going to heat it. I don't know what else it could be. steam. You know, uh, the, the idea of heating water solely through solar panels up to boiling level Unless it's very, a geothermal very. system and they're piping it way down towards the core of the earth. <laughs> <laughs> that would be efficient, right? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's crazy. That is really, really nuts. So anyway, that's what they're doing with our water. But no, you know, we're supposed to cut back on our showers, cut back on watering our lawns. That's just incredible. But no, that's uh so so you are actually blissfully away from California at the moment, right, Debbie? For 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 now, yeah, and it's it's nice to be um in America again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that you are enjoying your time away. Um you want to go ahead and hang on, and then uh, if you want to chime in on another topic, we can go ahead and pick you up again. Sure. Awesome. Okay, great. 
Thanks for uh, thanks for calling in. That's awesome because yeah, we did. We had that long conversation with Debbie. Debbie had worked in solar before, and she knew firsthand about its inefficiency, and so that there must be something corrupt going on if there's a company that purports to make money off of providing you power at your house with solar panels on top of your house. It is insane. Um, But yeah, so this is what you get. When government is in charge, they have absolute power. We have no control over some sort of private source that could actually give us a reliable supply of water, probably more cheaply than the water that we're getting now. Instead, we are subject to arbitrary mandates and decrees and how much of the you know the money of the increased rates when you go up to tier two and tier three are just pocketed by right, right. you know they they just want us to reduce water. It's not that it actually costs that much to provide it to us. They just want us to reduce it. And where's the extra money going? Remember, it's going to provide a sex change for that convicted murderer in the uh, California prison. Makes you feel awesome. So when government has a monopoly, right, it's not, you know, everyone always talks about, oh, you know, Apple has a monopoly on cool watches right now or something, right? Today was the Apple Watch drop day. I know some people who have the Apple Watch and the smart one that I am thinking of, who is Ed, who we sometimes speak to here on the show, he has a watch and people are asking, what do you think, what do you think, what do you think? And he says, it's too soon to have an objective opinion. And I think that's true. I mean, when you first put that shiny, beautiful thing on your wrist, that's gorgeous. you can't help but be really, really impressed. And then after a while, you might find that the less than 18-hour battery life is going to be annoying and of course depending on what you do it could be a lot shorter than that i was looking at the the stats so i think myself i'm planning on waiting to see what the future iterations are but yeah people say oh you know apple's got a monopoly or something they don't know what monopolies are monopolies are imposed a true monopoly is imposed by government it is where there is actual force keeping people out of a particular industry. If somebody wanted to come door-to-door here right now and sell me the little Coke can size of a nuclear generator in order to power my house, now that would be a deal, and that would be one that nobody would allow me to do. And I remember, actually, there was a case not too long ago. Um, There are some people in Florida... And I think that they wanted to put solar panels on their house and get off the grid or something. And they were prohibited from being off the grid. They actually could not be. And I think they also wanted to be off the grid with respect to water. Hmm. Like they were able to do a well or something. I mean, there's all of these government rules and regulations that actually keep you from getting the things that you need in the way that you want. Same goes now for healthcare. Yeah. You have to buy the type of plan that they tell you. So these are government controls. They it's, want to seem essential in the government. They want to appear essential. They need to be to feel significant, part of our world. And all it can do is steal your money, yeah. reduce the amount of choice that you have, and encourage corruption and corrupt business models like this Vivint Solar Company. Um, I, I, you know, in some ways, I hope that they're around so that 
people, but I don't know, maybe there'll be some settlement when this company collapses so that the people who have these solar panels installed can at least then own the solar panels and, uh, you know, not be held hostage to whatever. But they will have had their rebates taken away from them. I mean, it is so... Anyway, thanks, Debbie, for calling in and and, uh, telling us more about that. So let's go ahead and start talking about those who think that they have a monopoly on hurt feelings. And here we've got a, um, I can't, I cannot believe this. There is a homosexual hotelier, someone who owns a hotel, who, actually there's several of them, I guess. They face a boycott for holding an unapproved opinion of Ted Cruz. I guess they, they actually, if they're homosexual and they actually like Ted Cruz. That's a crime. That is a crime. Against because humanity. when Ted Cruz either said or implied, I guess he actually had to say at one point because people kept pressing him on it, that he does not approve of gay marriage. And that was a story on CNN. Ted Cruz does not. Yeah, we we knew that. He's uh, religious. Right. Every He's, You know, every Christian. everybody has... He's been pretty clear about yeah, it, every, like it or not. Everyone's supposed to have their feelings tremendously hurt. He didn't lie about it like Hillary Clinton lied about it, like Barack Obama lied about it. Right. He has his position. I'm going to this Breitbart.com story, and they say that there are two gay hoteliers who actually don't hate Senator Ted Cruz. They actually like them. And it says that uh, Maddie Wiederpass and Ian Reister... So they're homophobes, these homosexuals. That's yeah. right. That's they're, they're two openly gay Manhattan-based hoteliers who own a gay-oriented hotel in the city and also other commercial properties now, in the area. one second. Cruz uh, took exception to... To going there, right? To great exception to going there. Oh yeah, of course. No, he didn't. No. I mean, he accepted them. No, he's here in a picture with one of them, and he's smiling, and he's fine. Um, oh, but they're trying to paint him as something he's not. I mean, look, he has this you know, position on gay marriage. No, and look, they actually held an event for Cruz yeah. in their penthouse, and then of course, other homosexuals are calling for the boycott. Yeah. How dare! They like Ted Cruz, yep. who is honest about he's, he's his views on gay marriage. And he's not going to budge about it. And it's you know, like it or not. It's, well, it's, it's a position that we can disagree with him, and the guys, I believe, disagree with him too. And he disagrees, but he can work with them. He can interact with them. He can have a, a speech there, and accept them as human beings as they do him. But there is uh, hardcore agenda-driven homosexuals who have to see that as a political issue, period, and try to smear the guys and Ted Cruz. Same time. You know, when we were talking about the issue of Indiana and what is the actual harm that's being suffered by those who want to have a gay wedding and then they go to some of these vendors, whether it be that pizza place. Yeah, you know, they're... They're mortified. Let's let's put it in the strongest possible terms. They're mortified yeah. that, that somebody doesn't kind of want to give them no, the they want to live in a world or cater where their wedding or they can get everything they want without any conflict. They don't whatsoever. want to have to feel these bad feelings. They don't want to live in reality. Right. And therefore they have to try to make reality submit to their wishes and whims. It's ugly. It's pathetic. And they're being I mean, they're being you know, considered. I mean, people are actually saying, well, they have a point. No. No, your feelings are yours. 
you know, if they get hurt, sometimes too bad. Deal with it and go to the next baker. <laughs> go to the next baker who will probably accept you. And if they don't, then go to another one. Feel bad about it for that moment and move on. You know, so much. Actually, you know, what they should do is they should feel bad for the person who denied them service. Yes, right. Exactly right. Um, I mean, you want to let the word out to the to the extent that Ted Cruz is actually against gay marriage. I feel bad for him. I do. I feel bad for him. You know, it's so funny. I have these people that keep coming to my blog and. You know, speaking out against homosexuals and homosexual marriage, and you know, didn't Ayn Rand think that homosexuality was immoral or disgusting on the record, or this what or that? Is, what has Ayn Rand said on the record? She in has her, actually her, said her, that she found it immoral in that. certain Q and A's. Yes, but in her essays. In oh, in the essays, no, no. That was that was a private opinion. You could disagree with that, but what I'm saying is, it wasn't a major issue with her. Is that she had to send out there? She was asked questions and she answered them, and it seems like it's an old-fashioned idea. About homosexuality. Well, and and then there's the whole issue is, is a view on homosexuality actually part of objectivism? Or is it part of objectivism as applied to psychology? Or is it, you know, the moral evaluation? These are actual particular cases. And you also would have to learn more about the nature of homosexuality, what it is, how it arises, and people still don't completely understand it. We all have our understanding of it based on our context of knowledge. And my context of knowledge, the what I conclude from it, my experience with homosexuals, the bit that I've read and things like that, is that this is something that starts from such an early age that it's either inborn or it's the product of such early decisions that somebody doesn't have control over it is, in effect, something. I mean, it is part of the identity of the person. So if you're saying, don't be homosexual, otherwise you're immoral, you're saying, don't be yourself, yeah. otherwise you are immoral. Right. And what are you supposed of- to do if you're homosexual? You're supposed to just never enjoy your sex life for your entire life. You're supposed to be frustrated and dissatisfied because somebody said that it's immoral to do this. You know, there is something about human beings such that some of us will, you know, become homosexual. That's part of the whole nature of human beings. And as far as I can tell, it is in, you know, it's in the nature of some human beings from a super, super early age. So this idea, it's like, oh, deny your nature and then you'll be moral. No. That's, yeah, that's right? the attitude. Um, now, I mean, that's this is my opinion in terms of the morality of it. And with respect to marriage, I would say, you know, why would you not allow two people who want to make the lifetime commitment and do this? Yeah. Why not? Why deny them that kind of happiness too? So I, you know, I don't see or misery. For you know, again, we're talking about consenting adults. You know, monogamous relationships. It's really, it's stuff. really for the observer who does not want. They don't want to see that it makes them feel uncomfortable, and that's their problem. Again, Shahani doesn't want to, you know, have gay marriage. So he, again, he should marry a man. Let men marry men, women marry women. What a novel idea! Yeah, I mean, I mean, you don't I mean, like gay marriage? Don't don't I mean, marry it's, a guy. It's, yeah. it's cartoon, but it's true. If it makes you feel uncomfortable, okay. And people are supposed to are supposed to dictate people's lives if you're uncomfortable. Yeah. Now Dan- Daniel here in the chat room says it's not genetic or inborn; it's the product of a multitudes of value judgments. In effect, it is a choice. 
but morality has nothing to say about it. Either way, it's like one's favorite color. Well, people argue the opposite. People say that it is inborn. It is. It is. I mean, but we don't know. And there's no set answer yet. I mean, people can have all of their opinions based on whatever. They might know it, quote-unquote, based on what. We don't know yet. I don't think there's a flat-out answer. But uh, homosexuals that I've spoken to, they've always known. It's been part of them. Right. They've always been attracted to some extent to the same sex. And it's from a very early age very before early they age. even be aware exactly of right. the issue, you know, explicitly of sexuality. Right. So it's it's part it's part of who they are. And then, you know, the idea that some Christians have, oh, we're going to beat it out of them. I'm not really beat it out of them, right? Well, but we're going to beat it out of them with here. therapy. Uh, pay the, uh, pray the gay away. Uh, yeah, pray the gay away. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, um, Ashley here in the chat room says, "When did you choose to like the opposite sex?" Right? You know, this is just yeah. just who you are at a certain point. And I don't even know, you know, again, this and this is part of psychology too, right? I think understanding homosexuality is not the province per se of philosophy, right? It's it's the province more of psychology. What does philosophy have to say about human beings? It has to say that we are rational, that we survive by means of our reason, and that sex between consenting adults is a good thing, right? This is what philosophy has to say about it. Um, It would say that taking advantage of children in a sexual way, of course, would be bad because children don't have the capacity to understand or consent. Um, But if you've got consenting adults, that's what it's about, um, in a, you know, in a healthy relationship, obviously as well. Like, there's all kinds of ways to be promiscuous and unhealthy about about your sex, and it has nothing to do with the orientation. So, so there is that. Um, anyway, yeah. So that's one. There's the gay Gestapo, as Breitbart likes to call them, over at the Breitbart uh, blog, who are just basically saying, you know, how dare you Sometimes like Ted Cruz? As the gay mafia. And they say that it actually exists. It's a it's a real group of hardcore activist homosexuals who are really working hard to not just normalize quote unquote homosexuality, but really bludgeon us with the idea that if you don't accept it, if you don't celebrate it, you are persona non grata. You are wiped. Well, it's humanity. so it's so funny because I would not myself normally choose a gay themed hotel, but now you feel like okay, now next time you go to New York, you <laughs> want to at least go there and buy a drink or something right. if you're even if you're not going to. But also, this, it says something about Ted Cruz. Whatever these homosexuals are, yeah. are it says something about him. He, he did not allow that to taint him because no doubt some hardcore conservatives say, "What the hell are you doing, Ted? You know, trying to look." He's an American. He believes in freedom. He believes in the, in the individual. He's there. He doesn't have to accept the political aspect of the marriage issue and whatever, whether we like it or not, want him to or not. But he he did do something that was considered, quote, unquote, tolerant, which I hate that word. But he did do something that is considered tolerant, and he does. he's not getting any, any credit for that. And that's it. Yeah, Ash, they're, they're debating now the nature of homosexuality in the chat room, which I didn't necessarily mean to start a huge discussion on it. Um, yeah, I would... Yeah, you don't argue with the issue of the choice. But this is the thing. There's there's choices that aren't a moral issue, as Daniel here in the chat room states. There are definitely choices that are not a moral issue. And 
you know, that's that's the idea. Um, here's another issue of the gay Gestapo, getting their feelings all hurt and actually having the fact that they're stomping around and having a temper tantrum create something in reality. Yeah. Because, in, in, you know... Well, that, in, that's what I'm saying. You have a temper tantrum and, okay, deal with it, but they want to... Op, they want to, they want to control that, everybody they else. They want to te- weaponize the temper tantrum. Weaponize their temper tantrum. Right. No, but that's what they're doing. It's like, right. Uh, but I don't, I don't do think that. they're going to get away with it no, with those hoteliers, not. right? I really but hope not. look what they did here at John Hopkins. They say a Johns Hopkins student government has banned Chick fil A to prevent quote unquote microaggression <sighs> against gays. It's just, a, it's, just a, it's unbelievable. One, one of the best reactions that I saw. There are bigots out there. Yeah. Deal with it. There are. Deal with it. One of the best reactions that I saw to this out there on Twitter was somebody who calls themselves macroaggression instead of microaggression. <laughs> I like it. So um, people are definitely... This whole term, this whole idea of microaggression. Microaggression. He looked... He blinked, and I know he. No, meant but that. basically, what they're what they're trying to do is they're trying to turn something that isn't aggression yes. at all, that yes. has nothing to do with the initiation of force, and, and they want to it say it is though, well, but it is being yeah. it's micro. It's like almost imperceptible, yeah. but it's there. Economic power, yes. right? And economic power. It's, it's the same idea. Right, it's economic power. Microaggression. What a sick term. What a desperate term. This is a, an article from Hot Air, and they say look, there were actually no plans in the works to put a Chick-fil-A on campus. It was the mere possibility, yeah. inspired by a survey last month showing that many students want one. Oh, you mean because the food tastes good or something? <laughs> um, that it satisfies those late-night study cravings that you get? Um but anyway, it frightened, <laughs> says, listen, listen to the way that Hot Air puts this, I love this, frightened our special snowflakes into recommending a ban preemptively, quote, in the best interest of a cohesive campus environment in which all students feel accepted, end quote. I mean, because think about that. You have to that feel accepted. Look, Just don't go buy that if food you feel, if you don't if like you it. If you feel alienated, you feel alienated. I mean, this is this is part of life. You don't always get what you want every single day. It, it doesn't happen. I mean, I get crap from people. Muslims come to my to my blog and give me all this crap, and sometimes it's it's pretty funny. Sometimes it's like, okay, this guy might he might try to do something. But what I'm saying is, it's like, therefore, I have to I have to what I have to what. Well, if you feel bad about it, then they should stop. Clearly. Yeah, I mean, right? right? I, say, right. I say, I say, I feel bad about this. Stop. No, but see, but they're saying they feel bad because you drew your cartoon, and yeah. so you should stop, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's, yeah. it's all about these hurt I feelings. Their, I hurt their feelings. Um, I, all appended is the one who wrote this, and it is really funny. They say, the perfection of society cannot tolerate chicken deluxes, citizen. <laughs> Um, the SGA, I guess the Student Government Association, uh, does not support the proposal of a Chick-fil-A in a current or future sense, this, particularly on any location that is central to student life, states the resolution. So they went to all this trouble to pass a student government resolution. They noted that, quote, visiting perspective and current students, staff, faculty, and other visitors who are members of the LGBTQ+, it keeps getting longer, right? Uh, community or our allies would be subject to the microaggression of supporting current or future Chick-fil-A development plans. 
It's so sad. I mean, I just... It's embarrassing. The horror. It's, it's, and, and it's always groups. When they get and you know, Chick-fil-A has those really cute billboards with the chickens. I mean, excuse me, the cows. Yes, it's yes. funny. Yeah. They like eat more chicken. Yeah, the cows <laughs> want you to eat the chicken. It is awesome. <laughs> Ashley puts in the chat room, L-G-B-T-Q-L-M-N-O-P. <laughs> oh, my God, perfect. Yeah, Daniel could call in. Oh, the whole thing with homosexuality and choice. No, I mean that that would be fine. There there are plenty of choices that have nothing to do with morality. Hold on, hold, hold, on, and, hold on a second. Hold on. Okay, the expert of sexuality, Ben Carson. Oh, he said right. that if you go, uh, what was it? Well, if you go to prison, you come out homosexual. Yeah. So therefore, what? I don't know. It's what like, was his conclusion? I, I, I forgot what his conclusion was. But you know, you come out, <laughs> you, so you go that you, we you, forgot <laughs> what his <laughs> argument was. You go to jail, you're straight, and you come out of jail, you're gay. And he should shut his trap. I mean, really. And then, for the record, I like some some things he said. I like that he took on Obama in front of Obama, but then he says that stupid thing about homosexuality, and then he goes to an event, an Al Sharpton event. And is happy to see him. He says, Al Sharpton wants what I want, a strong America. Al Sharpton, the scum racist. So this guy, I hope he just get out of here. No, this retire, is, yeah. you know, whatever. He has a book, uh, again, it's called You Have a Brain. And the subtitle is, And I Don't. Ah, <laughs> oh, he's bad. No. <laughs> Ashley says, uh, let's hope Ben Carson never gets arrested. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> if he actually believes that, it's true. He's like, uh oh. If you went to prison, he said, "Oh him. my god, I'm going to come out." <laughs> Wait, was there was a movie about that? About what? Like a guy going to prison and he had to oh, like prepare or something. Oh no, no, no! It's even worse. It's even worse. Um, Muslims were looking to pack some bombs, and then they asked the imam, "Is it okay if I get you know?" <laughs> you know oh, I mean? no. If someone has sex with me in order to loose me up and put some bombs up there, oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. I, you know, for that, you know, that's fine. Oh, yeah. no, I was talking about a I movie. Know, you know. were talking about real life the, now the, in the, a yucky way. I called it, uh, what did I call it? It was, it was hilarious. Um, um, something horrible. <laughs> you called it something horrible. Let's just assume, fill in the blank, it was something horrible that you called it. Let's go on to the next story. American Indian actors walk off the set of Adam Sandler movie over racially offensive jokes. And my question to them is, it was a, what did they think that they were in for? Oh, a, it was, go ahead. It was, our, it was a, a little cartoon I wrote, Sodomy in the Name of Jihad. It was a submissionary position. Listeners, yeah. I did try to spare you. I tried to talk <laughs> him out of it, and it sub, just did Submissionary happen. position, but anyway. It just did No, but this, this is true. These guys asked the imam for a sanction to have sex in order so they can get the bombs and, you know. Anyway, it's pretty sick. So I wanted to tell you Sonny Loman's take on this story about Native Americans walking off the set of Adam Sandler's new movie. <laughs> she says, breaking, as in breaking news, comedy movie pokes fun at people. What? <laughs> can you believe that? You know... They talk about blazing saddles. Now imagine, you know, you Adam Sandler, he 
can be very, very offensive. So yeah. if you think that you're going to go be in a movie without Sandler, you've got to know that you're in for it, right? Are you stupid? I yeah. mean, really, you go there, he's a comedian. He makes dumb, sometimes funny movies. That's his thing. And uh, they go there, and they are completely assaulted by me being made fun of. Right. And what was it called? No bra. You know, one, one of the characters was called No Bra Woman. You know, an Indian character. <laughs> you know what I mean, she I guess walks around with the rest, and they were completely offended. I mean, completely offended. And the guy said, "If you're offended, walk, just walk away." And they, and they did. A dozen of them walked away. Good. Good. That's fun. Get some people who can come there and join a comedy and try to make a funny movie. Because that's what it's about. You know what'll it's be about cool? Your feelings. If one of those actors gets their big break because of these twelve walking yes. off, yes, absolutely. Say, How did you get your break? Oh, because the these people off. got offended and walked off. I mean, the movie is called, it's a, it's a satirical Western called The Ridiculous Six. So if you think that you're uh-huh. going to be part of a satirical Western called The Ridiculous, Ridiculous Six, Six. By Adam Sandler. By Adam and Sandler. Netflix. What, like, you, what is like it you Netflix, think you're in for? Uh, said, look, they stood by him, Netflix. It's, mm-hmm. it's their original movie. Netflix is now not in the business of only um, a series, but they have movies now. It's pretty cool. Right. Right. So this is... You want to fly through the other... Do we want to fly through uh, our other examples? So other examples of people who think that they have a monopoly on having their feelings hurt. (sighs) Stephen A. Smith, apparently, was... He's he's a sports commentator, and I usually like him, but he gets stupid sometimes about race. Super, super offended that Tom Brady, quarterback, did not go to the White House... (sighs) with his fellow football players to be honored for winning the Super Bowl. He was angry about it, too. And he says he went to see George Bush. Yeah. You know, the so implication is. I have the link at my blog at don'tletitgo.com. Go check it out. Now, here's the thing. If you watch that video, right, He it's, it's fairly boring because it just is. over and over again, he says, it's President Barack Obama. He kept saying and he did, Anyway, and so, you know, what is the subtext, of course, because... He did, Tom Brady did go to the White House to see Bush 43. Because he's white. I mean, he, right. Right? I mean so, Tom so Brady the, went to see Bush right. because so, Bush was white. So the sub- his wife. Yeah, so the subtext is the race issue, right? But he's not and saying And that's the only it. reason. He's not saying it. He's just offended. He's offended. He's offended. And if you listen, <laughs> at the very end, yeah. at the very end of the clip, there's this one time where he says, he's about to say a black man. Yeah. He, you can tell he's about to say that. And he says, uh... Barack Obama. <laughs> yeah. He more or less said Barack Obama. Yeah. I mean, that's, he was about to say he was bl- uh, bl- uh, Barack Obama. So finally, finally he, spit he, it out. he gets himself in this lather, and at the end, he finally actually spits out what he's I really wish. trying to say. Because they're saying, well, what are you trying to say? Well, I'm not trying to say anything, yeah, but, you right. know, if the president asks you, basically, if the president asks you, you to jump, go. you say how high, and right? It's pathetic. Yeah. And look, there are a number of people over the years who have not chosen to go to meet the president for numerous reasons. There was another football, um, I think, quarterback who said, basically, the government's too big now, and I just want to deal with that in any way. Good. I like it. Tom Brady chose to say I had I had previous commitments, and that's it. Fine. Good. I hope he was staring at the wall while they were doing that thing. I hope he was, whatever, doing anything he wants. And there was the implication, and, and online, MF and racist to Tom Brady uh, because you don't go to see the statist destroyer needless in chief. You're a, a racist, clearly. I mean, that's it. 
Well, and then and he, the, you know he is a patriot, right? right. Uh, New England Patriots, so the patriot refuses to see the hatred, you know, the hatred in chief. Well, and then and then supposedly, um, I'm trying to now. I actually I think I did lose my point. This is sad. You know, it's getting late when I'm losing yeah. my point. Let me go on then to the other story, and if it comes back to me, that's great. Uh, University of Maryland caved in to Muslim students who were offended at the idea that American Sniper might actually be screened on their campus. And University of Maryland, just like, you know, the other university, Johns Hopkins, caved to people who said that they were going to have their feelings offended if a certain value was offered on the campus to students. Not that they had to partake. It's not like you have to go to the screening of American Sniper. You could choose to go or choose not to go. But these students decided that their hurt feelings, their being offended, gave them the right to decide what other students could enjoy on their campus. And that is ridiculous. Um, These Muslims uh, take exception to seeing jihadists getting a bullet in the head. That's what they're saying. Right. They are offended. Not one quote-unquote innocent Muslim gets killed in there. There was a boy in there who was holding a bomb. He got killed. This is what happens in war. The It's to stop the bomb. Not necessarily to kill a boy. And they, again, they are siding with the terrorists in this. They are, they're, they're taking great exception to the fact that terrorists, who happen to be Muslim here, are being killed. And therefore... I just I think it's very revealing. Well, and I mean, and you know, anti- again, why why did Barack Obama refrain from referring right. to the Armenian genocide because as Muslims a were genocide? The Muslims exactly. were the Muslims were the monsters, and he's like, mm. wait, who are the victims? Christians? Not okay. Well, okay. I mean, but you know, if if the Muslims perpetrated this act, I cannot call it genocide. Now here is somebody who actually will not cave to cries of offense, et cetera. And that is, you know, give her credit for this. This is Pamela Geller, who has her American Freedom Defense Initiative along with Robert Spencer, and I think some others are involved in that as well. And they have persisted. They had the idea of having a Muhammad cartoon contest, and they will be holding the event on May 3rd in Garland, Texas. I've got the link she says you can get the last tickets available to attend this event live and show your support for those people who have decided that they will not be cowed by pressure, by people saying that we are offended, that you have blasphemed our prophet even by daring to draw, however you draw, you know, offensive or otherwise, you know, tasteful or otherwise. So do go check that out and kudos to Bosch for winning the uh, People's Choice Award and probably has a good chance of winning the entire event. We'll see what happens on May 3rd. Um, A few pieces of good news before we Zoom. One is there was a Fourth Amendment ruling that came out this week, and the headline, I like the headline, Supreme Court to Justice Department, no, the Fourth Amendment is not a useless piece of paper. And apparently the issue presented in the case was whether when the police are conducting a traffic stop, once they have completed all of the normal actions that are entailed in the traffic stop, you know, writing up the ticket and doing the questioning and all that kind of stuff, 
once they're done with all of those things, are they then allowed to begin a whole new sequence that involves a drug-sniffing dog if they don't have any reasonable suspicion to believe that there's any sort of drug there? And so I guess there was this case, because there had been a holding previously that if they were in the course of a regular traffic stop, while they're doing whatever they're doing involved in that stop, all the different parts of it that are involved, uh, can they have the drug-sniffing dog, I guess, run around the car and, you know, sniff the drugs? But in this particular case, I guess the police officer had very efficiently finished all of those things and then said, oh, now I want to have the drug-sniffing dog. No, I don't have any reason to think that you would have drugs, but hey, I'd just like to have the drug-sniffing dog come around for, you know, to say hi. You know, I always hate it because whenever the police have these dogs, it's not like they're actual dogs that you can pet and like have an interaction with. You're never supposed to pet the cute dog. And I always get very frustrated about it. But whatever. No, so the the dog is not coming around to say hi. The dog is coming around only to cause you problems, unfortunately. Um, But the court said no. The court said once the, you know, all the things that are entailed in normal traffic stop are done, then in order to begin a drug-sniffing dog investigation, you would actually have to have reasonable suspicion, some kind of basis in order to do it. So in this case, you know, what they tried to do is, I guess they couldn't get the drug-sniffing dog there quickly enough, and, uh, you know, they were just all done. But, um, no, not allowed to do it. They actually went ahead and drew the line there. And it's good. Now, there's a piece by Warren, excuse me, Oren Kerr right after that. One second also. Mm-hmm. Um, Freedom Breeze brings up this uh, talk that Pamela Geller gave in Brooklyn College. Mm-hmm. And uh, Muslim students, aka savages, were trying to drown her out. And they were putting their finger up in the air mm-hmm. like ISIS. Mm-hmm. These are Muslim students in Brooklyn. And they were saying she needs a brick in the head. These are Sounds like a threat savages. to me. Sounds like uh, somebody should be Sounds brought like, in for yeah, making threats. I think so, too. Sounds illegal to me. But um, I'm I'm very happy to see the Supreme Court draw a line in this case and say that you can't, after you complete this one mission having to do with a traffic stop, you cannot begin a, another mission without the requisite reasonable suspicion that you're supposed to have in order to do that. I also gave you a link to Oren Kerr. He is a very smart Fourth Amendment scholar who is regularly posting at the Volokh Conspiracy blog. And he tallies up in the last three terms the different Fourth Amendment cases that the court has heard. And in about half of them is when the court is siding with the government. So he concludes from this that any time the court agrees to hear a Fourth Amendment case, you really can't conclude anything about which way the court's going to go based on the fact that they agreed to hear it. The fact that they agreed to hear it doesn't imply that they're going to either rule for or against the government. But you know, I think basically he's saying, look, you know, you can't conclude anything from this most recent ruling against the government. But it really is nice that the court is limiting. Now, I think the past couple of big cases that I've heard about have been in the direction of limiting the uh, government's power to search without a warrant. So I would like to see more of that later this year when the bulk metadata collection cases get in front of them. Um, another awesome, cool piece of news. Uh, a union has had to cancel 
a vote for unionization or against unionization at Boeing's South Carolina plant. And why? Because gun-toting workers apparently told them to take off, to go away. The union wanted to organize workers there at the plant, and they said, no, they're not going to be able to do this because they said workers are so opposed to signing up that they chased labor leaders off their porches at gunpoint. I love that. (laughs) Is that macro-aggression? Yeah. yeah. The, the the plant employs about 7,500 workers, and so the union is like salivating <laughs> over right. the amount of money that they could get in union dues from these people. You know how unions work, right? And recently I've been reading the laws about how the unions work for teachers in California, and once a particular public school campus is unionized, all the teachers who work on that campus either have to pay you know, join the union and pay full dues, or if they choose not to join the union, they still have to pay a fee to the union for the, quote, bargaining services that the union provides. Or if they have a religious objection, now I assume, you know, you might be able to make a case if you have a secular objection, but in the statute it says if you have a religious objection, you could pay an equivalent amount to a religious charity, of your choice, but you're still going to be out of pocket, something that you wouldn't have chosen to do otherwise, merely because the union is there and the majority of the employees on the campus did. So imagine they're looking at these 7,500 workers and they're like, wow, 7,500 people who are going to give us money to lobby legislators for more power. That's what they want. I, I love this. Sorry, Ashley says the biggest news of the night is that Bruce Jenner came out as a Republican. Now he was at the Ted Cruz event that I was at last year. So just you know, he's I guess has been out to some extent, but now I guess doing his interview with us. So here, someone asked here, uh, Bosch, what did you think of Daredevil? And I'm offended by that because the assumption is I'm a cartoonist and I'm going to watch that. You know what I mean that? You know what I mean it's it's microaggression or what is that? Yeah, that's right. Anyway, <laughs> it was excellent. They did a hell of a job. They really did. I mean, I just um, Kingpin was weird, but very. It was just, it was it was a, a, a interesting take on the Kingpin, but the Daredevil, the actor was great. Um, what's his name? Charlie Cox, and he uses his voice really beautifully. The actor, he's British, you know, he, he's British. He, it's seamless American accent, but he uses it. It was really well his voice. It doesn't sound like his speaking voice. He put on a voice, but it, just, it was just so well done. The story was great, and there's a second season locked in now, by the way. They'll be working on it later this year. It'll be out next year. Can't wait. And actually, they were all supposed to go from this to the Defenders uh, Netflix special movie with, with Luke Cage and Iron Fist and uh, a.k.a. Jessica Jones. But now it, it, was so, it, it was so successful. And I don't know what constitutes success on Netflix. I guess views and whatever. But it was so successful in the first two weeks that I just stayed. They said, okay, we have to, um, we got to do Nolan quick. It's, I mean, it's fantastic. No, I mean, basically, if they see a whole ton of people are streaming this series, yeah. Yeah. then they know that you, the subscriber who's paying money, is wants enjoying it, yeah. that, wants that. It was so I mean, well it's, done. it's not like they're putting commercials in front of your face at all, no. right? No commercials. No commercials. It's part zero. of your subscription. That's, it's, I it's, nearly, it's a beautiful uh, thing. I nearly binged it. Binge watched it. Nearly. Let me um, let me finish the story real quick on on Boeing. Um, the idea of the gun-toting workers and stuff. Yeah. Apparently, 
that may have been made up by the union people huh. in order to entitle them to file a claim oh. of, quote, unfair labor uh, practice. Of course they would do that. Yes. Of course they would yes. do that. So Boeing totally denies that there were any gun-toting, anything involved. And that, well, I hope there were, but I mean, really, I hope, I hope there were. Just no, but if, rats out, if, but know, if there I, is an unfair labor I practice, know, then Boeing can be held liable, and then course, maybe the union's going to get its way, so that would be I, I horrible. I like the idea of these union rats running. <laughs> from guns, you know, it's, it sounds funny. I mean, I definitely, I would, you know, if the, if they came and they were really trying to talk to me, I would slam the door on yeah. them. And then if they again persisted, I would call the police. Yeah. You know, I'd say, look, these people are here; they're not welcome. That's all there is to it. Um, one last thing, and you can go over to my blog and watch it. It is what you are, you really should do. When you are offended, this is what all people can do when they're offended. You just refuse to deal with the person who offends you. Uh, There's a video of Robert Downey Jr., some jerk, some some jerk, decides that he's going to start bringing up things about Robert Downey Jr. Downey was sitting there doing an interview about his entertaining upcoming movie, The Avengers. It's an entertainment movie. It's an action movie. He's promoting a movie. He's promoting that movie. It's not, a, and it's not an interview about Robert Downey Jr. and his life and his past and history. No. It's about the Avengers. And this scumbag starts getting into Downey's background. And Downey is, you can tell he's, he's bothered. He's, a little, he's starting to get a little pissed off. And then at one point, the guy starts suggesting the fact that maybe his dark past, maybe it could, uh, how do you say it could, it could come back? He suggested something that, right. is it still there? Is, are you worried? Basically, are you worried you might fall off the wagon? And Downey took it to an extent, and then at one point said, "Well, yeah. I, th- I think that's when he got up, basically." Yeah. And but I think he says, uh, I think, we're, going, I think... We're, we're going a little Diane Sawyer there, as I said, when he got up. Yeah. Downey. No, I think I think this guy, right, when he knew that Downey was getting mad and yeah. that he was probably going to leave, that's when he yeah. pushed it and put that out there, and it just shows he is a hostile, horrible yeah. person, and then. What shows that he's horrible is that he goes ahead and still puts the the clip yeah. up. But I mean, I think what this shows really is, I mean, Downey, yeah, he got up and left, but he's perfectly entitled to get up and leave. Absolutely. He was as polite as anything, and I mean, it's ridiculous. No, the, guy, he get, the guy he, kept pressing. He, he, he says, he says "Are we promoting a movie?" Yeah, he goes, you know? "Are we talking about a movie here?" And he did that pretty early on to he basically did. clue the guy in. He's trying to. He was. Happen again to show him. Look, let's stick to what we're supposed to be doing here, yeah. and I'm helping you also. I mean, let's just get this get, get through this. I'm trying to promote the movie, and then he pushed it. And you're right when when he knew he had Downey on the edge, then he asked him. But again, the the, the, the terrible implication of saying, "Oh, your dark past. Are you concerned?" He was basically saying, "Are you concerned they might go back into it?" Sure. I mean, that's just evil. It, yeah, no to bring good to that come up from is that. Ridiculous. I mean. Someone could, could bring it up, let's say, but to suggest that you might fall right back in. Yeah, John in the chat room's got it right exactly. How about patting him on the back for doing Bravo. so well? Look, this I guy, still have. He turned um, his life around completely. I have, completely. I have proudly framed on my wall the op-ed that I wrote for the LA and Times read years and, ago. That he read and changed life based, right? No? That, that was Is that it. what? Is that what happened? <laughs> I don't even know if he's read it, but it was basically talking about the fact that. I didn't think he could learn anything by forced rehab where they would take away his work, that really it would be through the self-esteem that his work gives him plus an actual choice to 
take steps to get off the drugs, that that would be the way that he would actually recover. And I think that has been the way that he has recovered. It was funny. There was there was an interview with him, and I can't remember which one it was, but they asked him, you know, what was the thing that really really made you change? Maybe you go off peace. No. Do you remember this this story? Apparently, and I have to go back and look it up again. But he said the thing that really finally you because they all hit like rock bottom. It's a certain thing. So he had done he had done a whole bunch of drugs, I guess, and he was hungry. And I guess he goes to get a Burger King burger. And because of the drugs he had done, I don't know what they were, he said it was the most horrible, disgusting burger. Like it tasted like this horrible. And I, maybe he threw up, I can't remember, but it was, you know, really, really bad. He and attributed the, 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 so, the, the so he, because of taste because of the drugs or? Well, but he's just got this traumatic right. memory of how a Burger King burger was <laughs> on that particular, that was somehow a big turning point for him. Interesting. Remember, remember he had the burger when he came back from Afghanistan in Iron Man 1? A wonder burger. Right. A real American burger. <laughs> I wonder if that And he's eating it at his press conference. Yeah, yeah. Ashley says he was a major heroin addict. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and this I mean, idea... He, he about what he's done, though. You, you, come, up, you come up to somebody, and it's like, you're it's, basically saying, I have no confidence in you that you're yeah, going to stay good. Exactly. Um, it's evil. It's I, evil, because what he's done is... I mean, he's a total stranger, <laughs> and even people who know him have no place saying stuff. Right. I mean, this it's the most hostile, disgusting report. I mean, talk about offensive, right? Scum. And what does Robert Scum Downey media. Jr. does? He just gets up and walks out. He doesn't do, you know, he like shoving or... He says, we're going Diane or, Sawyer here, as yeah. he says. And the cameraman, you could tell the cameraman was on thing bugged at the interviewer. I think I think he told for a split second looked at him like a little almost condemnatory. But someone says here Downey is a success. Um, I'm sorry, K. Magnus. Mm-hmm. Uh, Downey is a, is a success story. That's why they hate him. He is to some unforgivably successful. Right. You don't go from where he was to now. I mean, this guy is making fifty million dollars for the Avengers. You know what I mean? Alone for one movie, he's spectacularly successful now. And that scumbag sitting across from him had his moment to bring him down. He wanted to bring the, the Downey down emotionally yep. and make keep remind him, hey, man, don't forget you were a junkie to some extent. You were, and are you worried you might fall back into it? I mean, that's evil. There's no place for that. Yep. Not, I mean, he's just, if, if anything, say from where, from where you were to where you are, you know, wow. And then go on. If he wants to comment on his past at all in that way. Uh, that's a, it's an interview about the Avengers sequel. Period. It's yeah. not about Downey's life. No. no. Ugly, ugly. No, I mean, you, you have no place digging into it. And if you wanted to just say as an act of justice, kudos to you for coming Absolutely. As, as far as you have with some of the problems you've had and then just leave it from there. Um, and But don't dig into it. I mean, that it is it is insanely horrible. That guy, he should be fired. Yeah. Um, but I am pretty darn sure that Downey didn't push to get him fired. Who and knows? I mean, Downey will never probably be interviewed by him again. I don't blame him. Oh no, no, no. Blacklist no. him from yeah, his yeah. interview. No, you would never, you would never go again. And that would be the appropriate response. So he is the model of what all of these people with their so-called hurt feelings should do. I don't think that any of them right. could have been as offended as he was. In that moment, Absolutely. and look how he handled it with such grace. And he just looked at him. With now, the granted, now granted, he was on the camera, but yeah. I don't, I don't think, given what I know of him, I haven't heard of him being different off camera, 
than on right. camera. I've never heard anything in that other than that he was kind and gracious. I mean, I, I, the, the stories about, you know, when he was doing the drugs, what was it? Like one time they found him, he had fallen asleep in some kid's bed or something. Like he'd like somehow gotten himself into a house and fallen asleep in some kid. He never did anything violent or bad when he was in drugs. Right. I he mean, hurt himself. Hurt himself, yeah. 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 And that's it. And that's what a lot of you know, I think junkies and drug addicts and alcoholics do. Tragically, they hurt themselves, and he got out of that hell. Ashley says interviewers go for ratings; they don't care how they treat the subject. This guy is more likely to get a promotion. Well, they must have also. I have to. I have to. You know, imagine. if if you want, maybe maybe uh, don't give the YouTube uh, thing any more views over there. If you can, if you can stand it, you could take my word for it that I watched it. Now I'm going to feel bad that I watched it, but it it is no, an example no, of it's worth watching. Of you should check it out. Grace and I no, think I, all all of us should keep you know that guy's excellent. name in the back of our mind because he should be boycotted. If you ever become rich and famous, never do an interview with that scumbag. That would be the appropriate answer. He's very ugly, yeah. very hostile. And again, to try to drudge up. And also, one thing he, he did also about the past, he tried to drudge up something about, uh, what was it? Um, Downey did something, and he tried to bring it up. I forgot what it was. I don't know. Okay. Downey did an interview, LA Times, a number of years ago, and was asked about his time in prison. He spent a lot of oh, time right, in prison. Oh, right, right, right. And Downey said, if you can get into that situation and understand it, you know, something along the lines, you can't come out a liberal. Right. So the guy was trying to laser in on that to try to out Downey as a conservative Republican right winger. Downey has never said anything publicly about where he stands politically. I don't want to know where he stands politically. He's an actor. Actors, a lot of them, they well, play roles. In in his answer in this interview, I think he spoke carefully because yeah, no, he basically he denied yeah. being either a liberal, a Democrat, said, or a Republican. Yeah. I think he's some kind of libertarian myself. Yeah, I think that, so. Yeah. He's, he's on he's on the right clearly. Also, play play Iron Man, industrialist, hero. I mean, he's he's right wing to the core. I mean, he wanted to uh, make a national security. How do how do you put it? I want to privatize, <laughs> national, privatize security. national security. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He's a thinker. He's a genius in the in the role. I mean, it just it's it's great stuff. But what I'm saying is he he suggested an interview, not suggested more than suggested that you can't come out that liberal. I am not your typical Hollywood liberal, is what he's saying. And the guy wanted to pick at that and get him to out himself as a conservative, probably out anti Obama, probably. You know what I mean? He's not going to get it. And I don't blame Downey for dancing around that. I don't need to know where he stands. I don't need to know where Christian Bill stands. I don't know where he stands. I don't want to know. When he, when he plays, it's like Ben Ben Affleck. He's a hardcore leftist, by the way, who lied, who hid the truth about his slave-owning ancestor. He told, he pressured PBS to hide it, and they did, with no integrity. Anyway, Ben Affleck, we know where he stands politically. You cannot help but watch him in a movie and say, oh, that's the leftist. And he said, when, when I find out an actor is, is a Republican, I can't watch the movies anymore. Oh, really? So I think the feeling is mutual on the other side as well. Yeah, That's but you're going to go watch Batman. I'm, gonna go, I'm going to watch Superman and Batman, not <laughs> Ben Affleck. Anyway. He makes good movies, too. He directs good movies. Mm-hmm. He's a good director. Mm-hmm. And he chooses good writers when he, when he does it. He, he's good. And that's a, he's a, he was a terrible actor, a terrible actor, a hacktor. But he's, 
pretty good in the movies that he directs because he's not he's I think he's not thinking about acting. He's directing. He's thinking about everything else. So he just acts naturally. He doesn't have to really think about it, which is good. And he'll play at least stature wise a good Bruce Wayne slash Batman because he's a big guy, six four, two two hundred plus pounds. So at least on that level, he'll look the part. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. So are we done for the evening? Yeah, we've been we are. Over, but... We're actually going way over on what we thought. Now, everyone, we need to tell you we are actually going to take a couple weeks off, and it is for a couple reasons. Bosch is frantically trying to finish Infidel Three. Yeah. I am frantically finishing my semester. I still have a full week's worth of major activities having to do with the finishing of my semester. And I also have another project. I have two projects now that I'm not allowed to talk about. But the other project that I'm doing, I want to make some major progress on before we pick up the project. The big project, very soon we really got to dig into that. So we are going to be back here in two weeks from tonight, which is May 8th. And until then, we are going to be working furiously We hope you will think of us. We will be drinking butter, coffee, and working, working, working. And not sleeping that much. Well, I'm going to be sleeping because I like health. Me too, but I want to get this done. And we have to to take on that monster project. All of you can try to beat Bosch up and tell him that he needs to actually get sleep. But, yeah. Sometimes, you know, James Dean's quote, sleep is a waste of time. Sometimes uh, he's right. No. The next two weeks, he'll he'll be right. Uh, But do tune in. I don't know if they're going to have any kind of live stream of that event on May 3rd. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Always appreciate it. (laughs) Kay McKinnis says, hope it's not Project X. No. (laughs) Anything that we're working on is the (laughs) anti-Project X. Yeah, we we will miss everyone, too. We would not do it except for the fact that we are going to be completely 100% buried, and we need to... Uh, just put full focus. We can't even afford show, show prep uh, for next week. We just can't. I mean, we have to really get this done. There's a lot of work to do. This is the this is the you know near near the near the finish line for myself and Amy as well for the for the projects that we have doing. So. Yep. So two weeks from tonight, we will speak to you 8 p.m. Pacific time on May 8th. And until then, thanks, we, we wish you a good night. Take care, everyone. Yeah. Thanks Daniel. very much for joining in live here. Just okay. Jean. Take care, everyone. Thanks. Take care.